We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. Formed, created. The next time you hear Letos, is at the Tower of Babel, where they built a city with a tower that touched heaven, literally or figuratively. And again, the Godhead said, let us go down. But no time is it more expressed, more dominant, more visible than when it was time to pull out all the stops to save us. It wasn't the father just doing his thing. It wasn't the son just doing his thing. It wasn't the Holy Spirit just doing his thing. It was the Godhead together, fully involved. So can you imagine how important you are? That when it was time to to manifest your salvation... Everything else in eternity shut down. It wasn't a multitask as though the father was in heaven running the universe. The son was on earth trying to get us saved and the spirit was hovering over the surface of the galaxies. When it came to this act, because you see the act of salvation, and this might sound controversial, is much more crucial than the act of creation. Creation brought about a physical man. Salvation brought about the real man. Because creation came about with salvation in mind. In other words, creation was just a step towards salvation. Do you understand? So creation was not an end in itself. Creation was just a means to an end. At creation, in fact, before creation, salvation was in view. I've said it before. I remember teaching this thing and it was difficult for some of them in those early days of word and life to understand. When I said, and I repeat today controversially, once I say it, he will start laughing, watching. Every sin sinned meets a price paid. There is no sin, wrongdoing, being sinned for which the price has not been paid. 
what then came in view was creation, Genesis. Tree of knowledge of good and evil. And I said that that was creation, salvation in view. And the argument was, if God knew, do you remember now? If God knew that man will eat of that fruit, why did he put the tree there? Because my submission was and is that if God is omniscient, he either is or he isn't. He cannot be called omniscient and then some things skip his knowledge. Then remove omni. Leave it shent. But if he's omniscient, then it means nothing is outside the scope of his knowledge. Actually, correctly put, he is the scope of knowledge. I told them then, I'm repeating it now, it, the omniscience of God does not mean that God knows all things. Yeah, Remember when I said that? It's actually an insult to say God is all-knowing. God knows all things. No, he doesn't know all things. Solomon knows all things. To know means to come into information about a thing. So to imply that God knows everything is to imply that there was a time where he did not know and so he acquired and acquired and acquired until he acquired comprehensive knowledge. No. Solomon did that. Solomon is all-knowing because he said, I have studied everything under the sun. Solomon cannot be said to be omniscient. He's just all-knowing. God did not learn what he knows. God just is the knowledge of what he knows. So you can't say God is, God is unknowing. That's not what omniscient means. Omniscience means that every measurement, every yardstick, every parameter of knowledge has its complete expression in God. Just like omnipresence does not mean God is everywhere at the same time. It's not everywhere at the same time. That's he's a busybody. So what you, when you picture omniscience, you picture God right now in Australia. Then right now in Africa. Right now in Azerbaijan right now. No, 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 no. God is not doing that. It's not running around. The devil is running around. They're not mates. They're not mates. I'm hoping that by now as you you grow in, in the knowledge of God's word, you're able to filter. Because listen, as much as it is popular acceptance... God and Satan are not enemies. As much as it is popular acceptance, they are not, it is such an insult to God to say he and Satan are enemies. An enemy must be a befitting contender 
to the challenged. They have to be relatively matched on a level for you to call them enemies. So you have to have a level of, of relative contention to be called enemies. You now look at Satan, who is nothing but an angel that fell. You now be saying, God, this fight is between God and Satan. What is God fighting Satan for? And if God is fighting Satan all this, how many thousand years God has not been able to win? So they keep doing rematch, 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 rematch. It's just not ending. Even I, to be doing enemy with Satan. Son of God, Satan, how? But, but how? Somebody that was defeated, disarmed, spoiled, given a bloody nose, knocked out. It's now my enemy. What you call the Trinity, God, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, come into play in the salvation plan of man. The tree is planted in the garden by the foreknowledge of God. He is omniscient because he's the scope of all knowledge. He knew that man would fall, but he had provided the price for man's fall before man came about to even fall. Yeah, those of you who started with me in the house, I taught this. Before man came about to fall, before there was a man to fall, the lamb had been slain. So the coming of man was to activate the price that was paid. So you see why I say creation is just one step in the salvation narrative. Creation is just a means to an end. If creation was an end in itself, how come when God finished creating man in Genesis 2, making him, forming him in his image, why did God not call him at that point son of God? Think about it. Was man in Eden a son of God? Was he in the image of God? Is Christ the image of God? Now you are free to answer. Is Christ the image of God? Yes, in this house you know that. Was man made in God's image? In Eden, why wasn't man called son of God? Because the evolution of man was not complete. In Eden, do you see any record of God dwelling in man? 
<laughs> I'm stirring some deep waters now. There was only record of God fellowshipping with man. So in Eden was only the Emmanuel experience. <laughs> there was no new matters, no spirit things at work yet in Eden. But man was in the image of God. Man had all the attributes of the God kind. But his journey had only just begun. The reason why God would come down to chill with man was because God was not in man. Because where God in man, he would not need to come in the cool of the day, Genesis 3, to, to fellowship with man. Again, I said I'm staring deep waters. Are you with me so far? But think about it. Are you, are you thinking about it? Why would somebody who is in you need to come and be with you? So man had the image of God in the garden, but man did not have God in him. So God was with man as a man is with his wife. Because a time was coming that that lamb that had been slain in eternity will now manifest in time. And you see, when we say eternity past, we only say eternity past for reference. Because something that does not have beginning or no end cannot have present, past, and future. Yeah. <laughs> Just eternity, that place, <laughs> that way, seal, <laughs> eternity, that way. Because what is not counting cannot be said to be past. It's what is counting down that can be said to be past. But every moment is eternity. And, and because he straddles eternity, Alpha Omega, all of no beginning, no end is immediately in his presence. That's the omnipresence of God. I'm just throwing these things in for free. So you understand. So God is not omnipresent because he's present everywhere. He's omnipresent because everything that has existence is immediately in his presence. Do you understand? So he doesn't have to turn the globe. I mean, have you ever seen a globe on a, an orbit? He doesn't need to turn the globe to see Australia. He doesn't need to do it that way to see New Zealand down below. Uh, he doesn't need to squint his eyes to see America to the west. Everything, including the 100 billion galaxies, are immediately in his presence. And then the omnipotence of God, as you have found out in the word, the power and the believer, is that some total of anything that has might finds its expression in, through, and from God. It's not God has power. God is power. Do you understand that? So you have God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit come together when it was time to save me. 
They put the tree there. He knew you will eat it. God knew that the only thing that can trigger sin, watch this, is law. So in order to trigger sin, that sin might become exceedingly sinful, before you think it's Moses that started the law, and before you start to think that Abraham lived in grace and faith before the law, therefore you can tithe, because tithe preceded the law. Mm. What happened in Genesis was law. That's why I said grace, salvation, soteria was what was in view, not Adam and Eve. So by the time you successfully return back to Eden, something is still missing, sir. Because in Eden they were not saved, they were just innocent. (laughs) They were just innocent. They were not saved. They were not redeemed. So by the time you go back and go back to Eden, you, you are getting back to Eden to do what? Just so you can gist with God face to face. So you leave us here and go back to Eden. If you go back the way you came, we, we here are better than you. <laughs> so God, in order to trigger sin... Passed the law. Two trees and other trees. Eat of the trees. Don't eat of this one. For I will not have known covetousness. If the law had not said, thou shalt not covet. So Paul says. And so you, Eve was already going, ah, this tree that they said we should not eat. Hey, it's tree, oh. The other trees, we're eating the other trees now. Why are we not eating this? Because look at how Satan came. He said, Did God say you should? He was answering to her thought. Did God say you should not eat of any tree? He didn't just come randomly, he was pursuing a train of thought. Did God say you should not eat any tree at all? Ha! My brother, serpent. Mm. Me, Seth, I've been thinking it all. But if I remember clearly, because you know that time that God was telling us, me, I just finished coming out newly from the rib of Adam. So I didn't, but I'm sure what I heard was, we should eat anyone but this tree of knowledge and God of evil should not eat because today we eat, we shall die. Oh, no, you shall not surely die. But instead your eyes shall be open and you shall become like God. It sounded good to her because she had contemplated it. And why did God not show up at that point? Because he's, he's omniscient. I mean, or else what kind of weak God is that? It's like God took a journey, like those guys in First Kings, Elijah, say, your God is on a journey. Maybe your God is sleeping. <laughs> Maybe he's on the phone, he can't hear you. Shout louder. Why didn't God show up at that point and say, yes, serpent, I'm here. Leave my business alone. 
But because I preached a message long time ago, Satan on God's payroll. He's an employee. God is his boss. He can't behave anyhow. Listen, the truth of the matter is this. I said this, I think I said it's either more sessions or word and life at home. I said a lot of believers, one of the biggest indictments to a believer is this. The enemy is more obedient of his heavenly calling than you. The devil is more obedient to God than you. I've said over and over, people ask me, who is your mentor in consistency? I've told them over and over, Satan. They think, they think I'm stupid. They think I'm, I've lost my mind. My tenacity is not just... My, I look at somebody who has lost before he began. Who has been told that his end is lost. Who has been told he's going to be bound 1,000 years, removed, cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. And that will be bound, bound with hell and death. And he never stops trying. I've been told, I've been told that every time he tries, I will have the victory. So I'm not fighting for victory. I'm fighting from victory. Satan is not fighting to lose. He has lost. And every day he wakes up and keeps doing Satan. Satan knows the word of God. He knows his end. Have you considered my servant Job that is not as meek, meek and him as him in all the earth? Uh-huh. Are you not the one that has built a hedge around him? You take the hedge around of him now and see. Let me inflict him and see if he will not turn his back on you. Okay, go. Do this much, but don't do that much. Satan leaves with his job description. To-do list for that day. Pepperized Job. 60%. Who gave him that memo? Secular from the top. Paul, whether by omission or commission in 2 Corinthians 12, entered the realm of glory. Saw things that were unlawful for humans to know. And God sent him a thorn in his flesh, a messenger of Satan. To buffet his flesh, lest he be puffed up by the weight of revelation. Second Corinthians 12. Three times Paul prayed that it shall be taken away from him. And three times God told him, I know, I sent it, brace up, man up. Oh, sorry, my grace is sufficient for you. I just paraphrased what God meant. Suck it up! Deal with it. Count it all joy when you go through diverse trials and temptations. And you think, oh, men of God, God comes to test us. No, James himself says that God does not test any man. God does not tempt any man. But get ready when you go through tests and temptations and trials. At that point, who is being used to bring them? Because in God is no bad. <laughs> so you hear people say God sent him sickness. No, God doesn't send sickness. 
but there's somebody that can bring it. Depending on which instruction is reading from. He can't come and slap you and God didn't know. So if, if, you, if you sense anything around you, pay attention to what, it's, what God is trying to get you to, to pay attention to. I'm learning that every day. Pay attention. Oh God, you're saying something, you're saying something. Afrontes, 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 afrontes. And he himself knows when to back off. He knows. As he's pressing into you. The moment you take your eyes off what he's doing and focus on what God is saying, the enemy knows that his job is done. He leaves you and goes on to the next person to start the process in that person. Yeah. He knows. He knows. Is this helping anybody? So he plants it there. Tells them, don't eat. Lucifer comes. Says, you eat. You be like God. And God is watching. Don't forget all this drama is happening inside God. Because in him all things consist. So this Eden thing is not one physical location. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, let me leave that. It's happening inside God. So, so God is just looking at his big tummy. <laughs> That's what's happening. Just looking at his big tummy. And you are seeing, you are, you are, I can hear the question now. I've heard it more than 5,000 times in my ministry. So are you telling me now that Satan is inside God? Hell yes. Ah, what blasphemy. What blasphemy. Satan inside God. Where else can Satan be? Oh, okay, sorry. I'm sorry to bust your theology. So all of these nice, nice things are inside God. Then God now do boy squatters outside him. <laughs> now put Satan there and the angels and the demons and everything inside boy squatters so that it will not be smelling God's belly because everything, everything exists and consists in God. Yes. Psalm 139, if I go to the depths of hell, you are there. Make my bed in the depths of the sea. You are there. Where can I run from your presence? David says. Where can I hide from your presence? If hell is what they've described to you, hell is. It is the presence of God that makes it hot. You see, God cannot go to where he's not. And when he died, he descended. He runs things there too. See, where can Satan be? No, no, there is God like this. There's not Satan like this. That's why you have created this dichotomy of the two. And because you have successfully created a dichotomy, you now make them matched enemies. This is the realm of God. This is the realm of Satan. They are fighting each other every day. Shooting here, shooting there, shooting here, shooting there, shooting here, shooting there. So you stay up all night to fight Satan. 
Where, where is he? What, what is it that exists that exists outside God? God is the existence of all things. He is the existence of all things. And that's why unfortunately you cannot bind Satan. There's nowhere in your Bible you are, you, are, you, are, you are told to bind Satan. Not one place. He's going to be bound only once. Hands and feet. By an angel. Thrown into the bottomless pit. For 1,000 years. He's going to be falling without reaching the bottom. For 1,000 years. At the end of 1,000 years of falling without hitting the bottom. He will still be pulled out of as far as he has fallen. In one fell swoop. Judged. Thrown. Into. The lake of fire. With hell. And death. So this hell they are telling you is forever. It's a lie. Read Revelation 20. It's not, it's not forever. I said I'm staring deep waters. Come read your Bible. You see, most of you, you understand eschatology, signs of the end times. You understand eschatology from drama you saw in your church. That's all. That's all. You don't understand it from scripture. It's from drama. We call Satan. You, you see two horns you see a tail, you see a three-pronged fork and, and fangs. Ooh, as God Is why when you were in church and you are going to ask Satan or demon, they'll tell you consecrate yourself. Consecrate fast three days, five days. Don't try it. Consecrate yourself. And when you finish, you'll pray for you. Special prayer. Father, may not may what they acted never happen to them. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Malita Lubraga, as the waters cover. You see, these this lies will come down. Your eyes, Fred, your eyes will see it. Your eyes will see it. In this generation. We are sparing. We see some of us are dead men. We have nothing to lose. Whatever we could lose, we have lost. <laughs> you understand? There's nothing to lose. So I'm not, I don't, I'm not afraid. I'm not preaching this for the money. I've always said it over and over. If I'm preaching it because I want to make money, I'm preaching the wrong gospel. This gospel we are preaching doesn't bring money. If he brought money, you would have brought it. You're quiet. But it's true. 
So if you're you looking for money and for fame, this is the wrong gospel. You should be preaching that other one. Which, which is not another. Which is not another. So we are, we, are, we, are, we are taking no prisoners. We are going to bring all the walls down. All in this generation. Your eyes will see it together. together. All flesh shall see it together. It will come down. It will come down. You bind the devil. No, you can't. There's no place you bind the devil. There's no place. Devil is free. That's why you're operating in his territory with a visa. Philippians 3.20. Your your citizenship is not here. Philippians (laughs) 3.20. So you're, you're not telling anybody you're not from here. Tell the other person you're not from here. <laughs> you, you've never been. You're not from here. So you're given a visa. This is your visa to, to be on the earth. That's why demons fight for it. Because they too can only operate with that visa. That's why the whole journey of mankind is about possession. Who is possessing you? Like I said yesterday, right? I'm not from here. This is his territory. That's why he had the audacity to tell Jesus, bow to me, I will give you this. Think about it. Jump! Worship me, I will give you this. Because these things are mine. The system that controls these things are mine. So why is Satan? So we are afraid to say it. <laughs> I understand. No problem. I understand. So, so God is looking at them. And, and, and she eats. And the moment she ate, all of mankind ate. You see what they call original sin. The man Adam didn't do anything wrong. It's the female Adam that actually has the original, original sin. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you see, Eve was Adam. I've taught you many years ago in the house. Yeah? The word for Adam or is the word Ha-Adam in the Hebrew, which just means mankind. It eventually evolved to begin to be called the male's, male guy's name. Do you understand? So when you, see, when you see in scripture in Genesis that in the beginning God created man, Adam, ha-Adam. Yeah, H-A hyphen, A-double-D-A-M. That's the Hebrew word, ha-Adam. In the beginning God created ha-Adam. Male and female created he them. Them, who them? Ha-Adam. Does that make sense? So the them was Adam. Make sense? Now, when in Hebrew is dealing with Adam and Eve, male and female, it calls them Ish for he and Isha for female. So it's Ish ha Adam, 
Isha ha Adam. Are you following me? Until Adam named who he saw Eve. Transliterated woman. For she was taken out of man. If you may, womb man. The man with the womb. But man, man, one man, one womb man. <laughs> Ish ha Adam, Isha ha Adam. So Adam is one species. Somebody say species. It's one species of just mankind. So the moment Isha ha Adam ate the fruit, all of mankind, that moment Adam the man ate it. So you hear babies on the school pastors say something like, yo, you see, women are the problem of this whole world. How many of you have heard it before? Oh, women. They couldn't mind their business. They couldn't. They left, your husband left you in the garden to look after it. You couldn't take care of, where did the man leave the garden to go? So we sound like Eve. See, this is how I like to teach without rushing. Because when I'm teaching you something, I want to take you on a whole journey. I don't like skipping things. So you understand line upon line, precept upon precept. That's why Jesus would teach for hours. Have you noticed? And he was teaching, and all he was teaching for hours, you read it in one chapter. Paul taught all night, long stretches, severally. That's how we teach in this house because we pay attention to the word. Are we together? Can I continue? You sure? So God is looking at them. And he lets Eve eat. Eve eats mankind eat. That means the nature of man was polluted. But you see, that nature had to be triggered in order to begin to bring about the salvation plan. As soon as that nature was triggered, everything, everyone that was born of that nature was born with that sin imputed. So while only two people, as it were, ate the fruit, original sin, everyone they gave birth to was sinful by imputation. So that original sin became imputed sin. The first couple sinned by action. Every other human being sinned by imputation. In other words, nobody else had to do anything in order to be a sinner. You just had to be born of Adam. And you were born into sin. And then God is like, yeah, here goes the plan. Jesus, start warming up because very soon sin will get exceedingly sinful. 
and he comes, lives a sinless life, fulfills the law, because the law was about him. Ah, Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So all of Israel, John 5. Where do I read from, Holy Spirit? Um, 41. Let me just read from 41. John 5, 41. Let's, let's see the NLT. Your approval means nothing to me because I know you don't have God's love within you. For I have come to you in my Father's name and you have rejected me. Yet, if others come in their own name, you gladly welcome them. No wonder you can't believe. For you gladly honor each other, but you don't care about the honor that comes from the one who alone is God. 45. Yet, it isn't I who will accuse you before the Father. Moses will accuse you. Yes, Moses in whom you put your hopes. <laughs> the law, right? For if you really believed Moses, you would believe me because he wrote 10 commandments plus 613 other commandments amongst other writings were all about Christ. Because the Israelites had a veil over their faces, which continues to this day for a lot of people, they tried, Holy Spirit, help me birth this. They tried to begin to keep what was designed for only Jesus to keep. Because the law was not designed for man to keep, including the Jews to whom it was given. That's why Paul will say, for we know that by the law, no one, he didn't say no Gentile. He says, no one can be justified in the sight of God. Why then was the law given? Paul argues that in Galatians 3. Into 4. Hold us in bondage and prepare us so us our depravity. So that when redemption comes, we can say, ah, please, option one failed. Option two is mine. Do you understand? So Israel, not seeing that that was about Jesus. Ah, oh, man, Lord Jesus. So there's a possibility, Caleb, that Jesus, hypothetically speaking, could have come earlier. Just that like these Jewish guys... Kept searching scriptures and not seeing. They, they knew a Messiah was coming, but they had their own mold of what the Messiah should look like. So they start trying to fulfill or keep a law that was not designed for them to fulfill and that they had no capacity to fulfill. The law was designed and given to man, small m, but only man, capital M, could keep it. 
So you read Deuteronomy 28, one of the scariest chapters in the Bible. If thou shalt hearken to the voice of the Lord to obey him, these few blessings shall happen to you. If you dare to disobey him, these plenty causes will happen to you. And overtake you or overshadow you, some translations say. So Jesus comes, lives a life, fulfills the law. So he tells them, do not think I came to abolish the law. Because what they saw in Jesus was somebody who was breaking the law that they were trying to keep. Do you understand? Your disciples are going through a farm on the Sabbath. They are plucking ears of corn and eating. And you say you are a rabbi. No, no. Somebody's bent over 18 years. Cannot walk. You heal her on the Sabbath. They go crazy. Jesus says, but it was the man created for Sabbath or the Sabbath for man. Either way you look at it, well, the son of man himself is Lord of the Sabbath. Case closed. Which of you has a horse, a, 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 a mule that falls into a pit and you leave it in there because it's Sabbath? Jesus asked them. So they looked at him as though he were breaking the law. Are you following me? He goes to the house of Zacchaeus. Meets him and says, come down today. Salvation has come to your house. And interesting because Zacchaeus means bright and, lo- and lovely and innocent and sweet. But that short man was none of these things. But because God was about to dispense grace, what Jesus saw was bright and sweet and colorful and innocent. Today, today, come down. Salvation has come to your house. Before then, he's in Matthew. Zacchaeus was chief tax collector, not just any tax collector. He was the chief. Before then, Jesus was in Matthew's house, tax collector. Levi's house, tax collector. And, Matt, and Jesus did not go there to preach the gospel. <laughs> he didn't go to preach the gospel. Jesus did not go there on evangelism. Outreach. He went for inreach. Because here's how they tag him. You call yourself righteous and you are eating and drinking with sinners. You're not keeping the law. What they didn't understand was that in his existence sinlessly, the entire law was kept. So Deuteronomy 28 is not referring to your obedience. It's referring to that man's obedience, whose we now are. Romans 5 comes and makes it beautifully put. For as by one man's disobedience, sin and death through it, so also 
by one man's obedience, the many shall be made righteous. That's the difference between the free gift and the offense. Are you with me? So when Jesus says, do not think I came to destroy the law, that's, what he, that's the, the context. He says, well, I came to fulfill it. What people, religious people believe is that Jesus says, I came to keep the law in force. That's not what he meant. He said, I came that the righteous requirements of the law will be fulfilled in me. I didn't come to set it aside as though there is no law. I came with full view of the law and I will fulfill it. Are we together? But there is a problem. There's still the matter of the sin of man that has to be punished. Because like I said yesterday, soul that sinneth shall die. The wages of sin is death. And that, oh, Holy Spirit. Because you know, Romans 6.23 is not referring to that if you sin, you die. It's coming from chapter 5. Sin ought to be punished. What you deserved was death. And there has to be a dying for sin to be paid for. It's either you die or you are atoned for. In other words, something must die in your place. That's what the cross did. Now to make this happen and ensure it doesn't fail, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit get to work in saving us. Let's look at Luke. Chapter 1 verse 35. Luke 135. Look at this carefully. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Who is the highest? Okay, we're falling asleep. If you're still with me, teach with me, it's okay. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the, who is the highest? God the Father will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born, referring to who? Will be born, (laughs) will be called the Son of God. You see all of them in there? The Father, the Son, the Spirit. That's your worth. (laughs) that's your value the Holy Spirit will come upon you the power of the Father will overshadow you and then Jesus who is about to be born will be called the Son of God in incarnation for the seed of the new Adam the entire trinity was behind it all of them at play let's look at it again in the baptism of Jesus in Matthew 3 you see the pattern Matthew 3.14. You'll see the pattern. And John tried to present. Let's go to verse 13 so we can get the, the context, the gist. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. 
and John tried to prevent him saying, I, I need to be baptized by you and you are coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, permit me it to be so now for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he allowed him. 16, we're going to verse 17. When he, Jesus, had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, who was baptized? Who was baptized? And behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw descending like a dove and alighting upon him. 17. And suddenly a voice came from heaven. Whose voice? The father saying, You see them? The son is being baptized. The spirit's descending like a dove. The father speaking. In the ministry of Jesus, you see all of them again at work with you in view. Acts chapter 10. I love this one. Acts 10, 36. I love this. The word which God sent to the children of Israel preaching peace through Jesus Christ. I, there's another one I'm looking for. It's also there. It's 38. Go, go on. Go on to 37. Let's, let's keep going. The word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. 38. That word is how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. In the birth incarnation of Jesus, Trinity. At his baptism, Trinity. In his ministry, Trinity. In his crucifixion, Hebrews 9.14. The Godhead. Somebody say the Godhead. Uh, go back to 13. Find the, find the beginning of the statement. Yeah. For if the blood of bulls and gold, goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, one, Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Boom! How much more shall the blood of God, who through God offered himself without spot to God? Who is Christ? Who is the Holy Spirit? Who is God? Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, offered himself without spot to God. As you saw yesterday in that scripture, it was God that died. So in his crucifixion, you see the Godhead. How about his resurrection? Acts chapter 2, verse 32. Acts 2, 32. This Jesus... God raised up from the dead. Bear that in mind. Look at Romans 1 4. 
Romans chapter 1 verse 4. And declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by what? Romans chapter 8. Let me, verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. So, who raised Christ from the dead? Act 2 says God. Romans 1, Romans 8 say Holy Spirit. So God, through the instrumentality of the Holy Spirit, raised up Christ from the dead. God died. God offered sacrifice to God. God collected the sacrifice from God. God used God to raise God from the dead. I said over and over, religion has taught you that the price for your sin was paid to Satan because when you are a sinner, you are a slave to Satan. No. The price was paid to God. Do you understand? The price was paid to God. Not to appease him for losing you, but to pay for restoring you. Do you understand? I'm reconciling them. There's a difference. Yeah, I'm reconciling them to you on account of this. Not, not I'm, I'm sorry, you know, I'm sorry I, I, that they messed up. Yeah, here's appeasement offering. Which is what church has taught you, religion. And that's why they implied that it was paid to Satan, to now buy you back from Satan. If you're going to take them from Satan, you must pay Satan something. No. price was paid to God. The price was paid to restore you to God. To reconcile you to God. That's what the cross did. So the, the atonement I said yesterday is the sum total of the work of God on the cross in Christ. So here is us putting the cross what was done. Somebody say was. Yeah done back in focus because the turning point the focal point of our relationship with God was the cross was the cross one cannot be said to be a believer who does not fully understand and enjoy the full benefits of Christ's work on the cross the cross was not just where he died listen life altered at the cross I said something a few weeks ago that's, that was mind-blowing. That even the blood that was taken to God was not blood, physical blood. It's all the blood poured on the floor. So which blood did they go and pour on mercy seat? Which blood did he enter the most holy place with? <laughs> so it wasn't physical blood. It was blood significant of life. Life, essence. Do you understand? Or else you think of this presence of God like one bloody place in the, that was the old covenant. It was in the Old Testament. It was Moses' tabernacle that was bloody and smelling. The throne of God is not bloody and smelling. 
So don't picture heaven, most holy place, as though God is sat on this throne. And then Jesus is at his right hand, just pouring blood. Just pouring blood on Jesus, on God and the throne. Pouring blood. That's why you keep pleading it. The blood. I wrote something on Facebook. I don't think there's any article I've written since when I wrote on awards that destroyed and scattered Facebook like that post on the blood of Jesus. Sometime last year. It shook Facebook across continents. I got messages from everywhere. Said the blood of Jesus paid for only your sin. Did pay for anything else? And that blood was shed once; nothing remained. There's no blood remaining to plead. Oh, sorry. So when Jesus died, he now put reservoir. They put hose, pipe, some blood. They called James to help them suck it. <laughs> but electric pump. <laughs> pump the blood. So every time, Father, I come before you, I've, I've sinned against you. Please, Lord, I plead the blood. Wash me with the blood. Ay, 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 ay. Wash you with which blood? From where? To achieve what? Forgive my sins. Cleanse me with your precious blood. Even though my sins are red, you will wash them white as snow. How does red blood wash his red sin into white snow? You are standing the sin, Mona. My sins are red like scarlet. Wash me with your cleansing blood and I shall be white as snow. Wow. That's very deep. <laughs> very deep. Oh. So every time you did something wrong, like, ah, Father, I plead the blood. Wash me. So all God is doing, you see, you see I, I said yesterday, I repeated, God is merciful. We have made God one stupid errand boy that doesn't have sense. He's running around answering prayer. He's running around being everywhere. And then now you now added him, made him your laundry man. Every he's washing your sin. Today he's washing. All God is doing is washing your sin. Washing, washing. He's at rest. Yeah. At the same time, he's cleaning clean your name from the book of death. Right in the book of life. <laughs> so that's, that's all your God is good for. Washing, sin, washing, cleaning, washing. So you just picture a car wash that has six billion cars. And those cars, because guess what? Those cars will never leave that car wash. The cars will never leave the car wash. Because as you're washing the cars, dirt, the elements, sand, storms are, are, are 
acting on it. So, so the person is just, just perpetually washing. And you think that's all God is doing? By one sacrifice. Somebody say one sacrifice. One. One. There was no blood left. There is no blood left to plead. Then the pleading, you didn't stop at your sins. You added Nigerian roads. You added luxurious buses. You added armed robbers. You added the, the roof of your house. You added everywhere you live. You added all your clothes. You added all the schools you attend. You added your ex-boyfriends, your ex-girlfriends. You added everybody and immersed them in a non-existent blood of Jesus because all you have been doing is idolatry. You created a blood that does not exist. You are worshipping a graving image. You are going to teach 96 mysteries of the blood. There is no mystery in the blood. The blood is, is used up. The wrath of God is fully satisfied. Fully. Fully. It was when that cup was fully drunk and the wrath was fully satisfied that Jesus screamed, it is finished. So when he said, it is finished, where did he remain what is remaining for you to plead? And that's why Christians are not confident enough to not be able to picture Jesus not on the cross. There's some form of safety that you have to just constantly feel like he's still bleeding for you. Are you following me? Because somehow when you picture him on the cross, you can be able to picture blood. That's the truth. Because you just see that blood, somehow there's blood to flow. You know, that's why as much as I love that Travis Green song, I can't sing it. On the hill there's a cross, on the cross there's blood for me. No. No. There's no blood. There's no cross. There was. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that old rugged cross. Yeah. Okay, for the church. I, personally, for me, no. Personally, no. Because we are, we are singing in present, so I cherish that old rugged cross where at last my trophies I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. You see, when I said idolatry, you see, this is where a lot of guys don't like me. A lot of the pastors and reverends don't like me. But, but I, I will cling to that old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. That you, Why? How? From where? From what scripture? Even the Old Testament cannot support that. 
can't. And you think that you'll be crying. That's why you have crosses all over in church buildings. Come be pleading it. Wash me. Cleanse me. Sanctify me. Purify me. Cleanse me. Father, the cross, the cross, the cross. I am not in any way undermining what happened at the cross. Now, don't forget, it is not the cross that saved you. That day, there were three crosses. So be careful how you are glorying in the cross. It is he who hung thereon. The quality and essence of he who hung on that cross. That saved you. And that cross, I don't care. You see, people have told you that the cross is not straight like this. The cross is slanted like this. Listen, I don't care if the cross is V-shaped or W-shaped. I don't care if the cross is bow-legged or K-legged. I don't care. As long as somebody was lifted off the ground, he was nailed and his blood flowed, I'm good. I don't bury myself with nonsense. The cross was like this. It was not like that. The cross was buried. It was not this. It was not. Was he on a cross? Okay, you don't want to call it cross. Was he on something that was lifted off the ground? Was he lifted up and when he's lifted up, he would draw all men to himself? Yeah, then I'm good. I'm not undermining the cross. What happened there? That's why I always refer to the finished work. And all of these other New Testament guys call it finished works. And I argue with them all the time that it's not finished works. It's finished work. It's one work. It's one work. Many dimensions. Many expressions. But it's soteria. Salvation. One word. It's one work. So he went. He did that journey. Paid that price. Took it to God. Delivered us. And here's what he did at the end of his stay on the earth. I said that Christ living his life on the earth sinlessly was for our benefit. That was the righteousness that he imputed to us. So this was God saying, here's a man. I've lived on the earth as a man. I've kept all the law as a man. I've fulfilled all the requirements as a man. So every man that now comes from me has kept the law. Do you understand? Every man that came from Adam was sinful. Didn't have to do anything. So you could have lived righteous start to finish and still not qualify for salvation. Do you understand? As long as you were born a human being from the seed of the first Adam. No matter how good you did, you couldn't qualify for salvation. So Jesus comes as another Adam. The second Adam, and then he's called in 1 Corinthians 15, the last Adam, 1 Corinthians. 
brings a brand new lineage and everybody who is born again has fulfilled the law. So no longer has any law to fulfill because the law once fulfilled is set aside. Do you understand? That was his life. Righteousness. His death paid for your sins. He took the penalty for your sins. And in that, he enacted a new testament that kicks in by the death of the testator. Do you understand? So here's what happens at the cross. An exchange took place. A swap took place. Oh, he died. I died in him. I died with him, but he died my death. I died in him. I died with him, but he died in my stead. The death I should have died, he died. But when he was dying, I died. Do you you understand? And as I died, I, I came on to another life, his life. And there's so much benefits in that. I will start to explore that tomorrow. We look at the first swap tomorrow. His forgiveness for my sin. Because he bore my sins, I now have his forgiveness. Present continuous. Tell anybody neighbor he swapped it. Because you see, if we were just only forgiven without the penalty made and the swap made, that cup of God's wrath would have been allowed to fill up again. And trust me, by now, that cup would have been full and overflowing. Do you understand? It's one thing for Jesus to say, all the sins they've sinned in this cup, right? Okay, give me the cup. He drinks it. And then you're on your own. Everything you start doing starts filling up the cup. But when he does it and swaps it and you take his place, what happens is heaven sees you as him. So there's nothing in a son of God that will piss God up to the point of wrath in a cup. Because God sees Christ. That's the swap. For you died and your lives are now hid with Christ in God. Because he bore my sin, I now have his forgiveness. Can we say because he bore my sin? I now have his forgiveness. So we begin to explore that from... This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and we hope it has been a blessing to you. 
For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.